My name is Joel Renner, and I want to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment on this video as you watch it so more people can see this teaching. Welcome to Home Group. It's Wednesday night, and we are so excited to be with you. We're talking every night this week about accepting your God-given, God-assigned place. God has a place just for you. And when you finally get into that place, you're going to find the reality of, Psalm, of Proverbs 16, verse 7, which says, When a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. When you are really where God wants you to be, it doesn't mean you're never going to have problems, but when you're really in the will of God and you're doing it, you're going to experience a special level of provision, protection, safety. It is amazing what comes to you when you get in the right place. And by the way, right now you can go to the website at this very moment and download for free the study guide that goes with this accepting your God assigned place. And you can go through the study guide with us every night. And we're offering right now this week, the series that goes with it, five parts, accepting your God assigned place and the book, the point of no return. Denise, did we pass the point of no return? We did pass the point of no return. And are we glad? And, we did. and we didn't return. We didn't return, literally. <laughs> we thought we were moving to the Soviet Union <laughs> for a year. We went forward. You know, when Denise and I and our family got off the plane, we didn't know we were coming for the rest of our life. And when we came down the steps at the airport, at the bottom were Soviet troops with machine guns because it was still the end of the Soviet Union. And right in the presence of all those troops with machine guns, we as a family got on our knees and we kissed the ground. I'll never forget that moment. I'll never forget it either. And we said, Lord, we're asking you to put this country in our heart. And I quoted the words of Ruth to Naomi. Lord, I want their people to be my people. I want this land to be our land. And we thought it was for one year. But wow, it really was. The point of no return. Joel, aren't you glad? I'm very glad. You know what I think of? First of all, that was the first book I ever read of yours. This is the first book of mine you ever read? I did. I read it in Riga years later after you read it, after you wrote it. But whenever I hear that title, I think of the song in Family Opera. The point of no return. You know, whenever the Phantom of the Authors that, You have such a beautiful book. I, I just, I love Sing that. Sing a little bit of that. No, we'll so. say that for another time. Oh. But I'm thinking about the Bible verse. You quoted Proverbs. And I'm thinking about Isaiah. Isaiah 54, where it says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Amen. That's the truth. Whenever you're following God, God will protect you. And even... Your enemies won't have a problem with you. God will stop them. And I think that's very encouraging. You know, when we first moved to the Soviet Union, it was a nutty time because everything collapsed. There were no products in the stores and the mafia was running everything, everything. And I remember one day, you know, if you saw nice items back in those days, they mainly were for people that were in the mafia. And one time, we were in the Helsinki airport and we walked into a very beautiful store just to see what was there. And Philip saw all these beautiful glass figurines and porcelain. And when he saw them, he looked at me and Denise and he said, 
they must have mafia here too that can afford to buy things. <laughs> and Philip, because that's where we lived and that's what we dealt with every day, he thought that if there were nice things, that meant there was mafia there that could purchase those things. I mean, it is amazing what we moved our family into in 1991, but you know, God was always with us because we were in the right place at the right time. And when you are in God's will, you are protected. And, and we that's, saw... That's why I want everybody in home group to get this book. I love this book, The Will of God, The Key to Your Success. It says, positioning yourself to live, to live in God's supernatural power, provision, and protection. Yes, Joel? We even saw in our own lives what Proverbs and, and Isaiah was talking about, that your enemies will have peace with you. Yes. We saw that in our own lives. How many times have you been in the newspaper where people just, you know, just called you bad things, bad propaganda, and they, they passed, they disappeared. It doesn't mean we don't have problems, but our enemies will even have peace with us. Yeah, God gives you peace. God, and I'm, we're going to see that in the scripture today. You have divine protection when you finally get in God's place. But hey, we also want to welcome Maxime to the program. Hey, Maxime. Hello, friends. My name is Maxime. And of course, I'm Russian and I'm Pastor Rick's assistant. And I want to say thank you, Pastor Rick. And thank you, for Pastor Denise, for moving to this part of the world. Hmm. As a Russian, I thank you. Aww. Because through you, God did a lot. And there are so many Russians that are thankful to them. Wow. And it's a great honor for our country that you're here. Thank well, you. Well, I have to say thank you to our partners. Because our partners are the one that really have empowered us to do everything Absolutely. we've done. God empowers us, but with partners. And if you're our partner, we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because you enable us to do what we're doing. Amen. Well, hey, let's open our Bibles and pick up where we left off last night. All right. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 18, verse 1. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. It says, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. So Paul is on his way to Corinth, and as I told you last night, there was not a worse place in the world for a Jew to go to than Corinth. You know what you taught me? People in, the, in that world, when they were drunks, they were called Corinthians. Anywhere in the world, if you were a drunk, you were called a Corinthian. Well, and you also taught that if you had a not such good sexual lifestyle, you were caught, you were said that you were Corinthizing. Corinthizing. That was the reputation of Corinth. In the rest of that world. In the whole world at that time. Wow. So if you were lewd or crude or rude, people didn't call you that. They called you a Corinthian. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And the whole world was quite wicked, actually. And in the wicked <laughs> world... You know that there's somebody even more wicked. More wicked. <laughs> but hey, let's continue. In Acts 18, verse 4, it says, Paul reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath. Now here's something very important. And persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. Up until this time, for five years, Paul had been banging his head into the wall over and over. I've got to reach these Jews. I've got to reach these Jews. That was not the first call on his life. We know that because in Acts 9, 15, Jesus clearly said to him, number one, foremost, above everything else, I've called you to reach Gentiles. Number two, kings. Number three, third on the list, if you have time to do it, the Jews. But number one, the Gentiles. And Paul even affirmed that in his writings over and over. I'm going to 
prisoner for you Gentiles. I have an apostleship to the Gentiles. I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul really knew that. But you know, sometimes you know the will of God, but actually doing it, it's a transition. You know, here Paul was a Jew, didn't even like Gentiles. Isn't that amazing? He didn't even like them. And yet that's who God called him to. And so he had to overcome a lot of barriers in his mind. And it seems it took him about five years. And actually, Paul had a real encounter in Athens. You can read that in Acts chapter 17. In Athens, he was by himself. You know, sometimes you got to get by yourself. That's what I was going to say. To really have a breakthrough. you got to get away from your friends. Well, he really to learn something new. Well, he was away from his friends. He was in Athens, and when he was alone, he went into the marketplace in Athens. I could take you there. I could take you to Athens. I could show you the very place. And he began every day working with the Gentiles that were there. He was also speaking to the Jews, but his focus mainly was Gentiles. And he began to have a little success. And by the time that he left Athens and showed up in Corinth, he had really begun to rethink things he really began to rethink it and he began to think about the primary call on his life. And so now we read in verse 4 that in addition to reasoning with the Jews, he was also persuading the Greeks. That's the Gentiles. It's the Greek word Helen. It means those that are non-Jewish, those that are Gentile, or those that are pagan. And then something happened in Acts chapter 18, verse 5. We saw this in the last program. Let's look at it. And when Timothy and Silas were come from Macedonia, the King James Version says, Paul was pressed in the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. But guess what? When you read that in the very oldest text, it does not say that. It doesn't say Spirit. It doesn't say in the Spirit. Those words were added later by translators. The earliest manuscripts say Paul was pressed. And the word pressed is the Greek word suneko, which in this case means he was compelled That's what my translation says. He was pressured, and it really conveys the idea of manipulation. So just imagine, here Paul is in Corinth. He's enlarged his focus to the Gentiles. He's finally having Gentile fruit. Every day he's talking to Gentiles, Gentiles, Gentiles. And he hasn't seen Silas and Timothy for a while, and they show up. And when they show up, they're stunned. Paul, what are you doing? Gentiles, come on. You're a Jew. Why are you spending all this time with Gentiles? And it was at the moment they showed up that he felt pressured, compelled, pulled, even manipulated, dragged back into the pattern that he was trying to break free from. Mm -hmm. When they showed up. When they showed up. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Now... It goes on to say, listen to this, that Paul began to preach to the Jews because he was compelled to do so by Silas and Timothy. But when you come to 18 verse 6, it says the Jews' response to him was just like it had always been. They opposed themselves and blasphemed. By the way, that word blaspheme, it is a bad word. It's a dirty word. The Greek word blasphemeia, it means they were cussing and cursing. They opposed themselves and blasphemed. And Paul shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I'm clean from henceforth. I'm going to the Gentiles. When he says, I'm clean, I would translate the Greek like this. I have worked you out of my system. 
Actually, in Greek, it is the word catharsis, the same word you would use if you said, oh, I had a real catharsis moment in my life. That's a moment of cleansing when you get something out of your system. That's the same Greek word that is used. So Paul says, you know what? I'm done with you. I've had all of you I can handle. I have worked you out of my system. I'm free of you. And he said, from henceforth, I will go unto the Gentiles. That's verse 6. From henceforth, in Greek it is the word apo, which is a separating moment. Paul says, I'm making a break with my past. I'm separating from my past behavior. And from henceforth, I'm going to go unto the Gentiles. He began his transition to focus primarily on Gentiles. That does not mean that he did not reach Jews. He did because that was a part of his three-pronged calling, but it was the lowest on the list. Then the Bible tells us in verse 7, And he departed thence, and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. That is so hysterical. Because Paul makes this big dramatic statement. I'm going to make a change in my life. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. Well, the house that he goes to, to start his Gentile ministry, shares the same wall with the synagogue. All he did was walk out of one yeah. door, take about two steps, and turn right and go into the next door. Wow. <laughs> and you know, sometimes when you begin to make a break, it just has to be one step at a time. I want to talk about verse 6. Sure. I think it's very interesting that Paul had a very heated debate that evening. Oh, he did. Oh, my goodness. They were cursing at him. He was shaking his clothes like Jesus taught to shake the dust off your clothes when people don't expect you, don't accept you. And I think it's interesting that through all of that heated debate, and I'm sure Paul was kind of loud that night too, Paul could still make a right decision. Mm. Mm. He could still, through all that yelling and blaspheming and cursing at him and him shaking his clothes and saying, I've had it up to here, he still made a right decision. May and I, Yes, please wait, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, I didn't, didn't want to interrupt. Well, I want to say that even, even if you have a heated debate, you can still make a right decision throughout it throughout that conversation. You know what else I think about that verse? When Paul says, I'm done with you. From henceforth, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. I can just imagine Jesus saying, well, it's about time. It only took you five years to wake up to what you're supposed to do. And the good news is, Jesus along the way didn't say, I'm finished with him. Can't this guy ever get it right? God waits on us to get it right. Oh, yes. Isn't that amazing? Well, yes, we're just babies. We are children of God, and we're not born, when we get born into the kingdom, we're not adults. We're babies, and we're trying to hear God, and we're trying to obey Him, and, and I, I can understand, Paul, Rick, I really can, that it took him five years to be able to really hear and to agree with what he was hearing. He heard from the beginning. But it took him time to get into alignment. Right, with to agree with to it. To agree with it. Wait a minute. Are you saying that Paul, sometime in his life, was a baby Christian? Of course, just like all. He of, wasn't a baby by this time. Though. No, no, no. no. May, but, I, but I think that's an important point because even when you're a mature Christian, sometimes it's hard for you to really get your brain around what God's asking you to do. Yes, Maxine. Yes, talking about Paul, that we can understand him. I think one of the reasons he didn't want to have anything to do with Gentiles at first, because he grew up in Tarsus, as we all know, and Tarsus was a very Gentile city, very, very Gentile. Of course, he was brought up in very Jewish atmosphere, had Jewish teachers, but he watched those Gentiles in Tarsus 
majority of the people in Tarsus were Gentiles. It was a Gentile city. There were barbarians, and he just had enough of them. Mm. And I think it's one of the reasons why when God told him go to Gentiles, he said, God, I know them too well. In the same time, God knew what he was doing. Since Paul grew up in a Gentile city, he knew how to talk to Gentiles. He didn't, he didn't want to have anything to do with them because he thought they were dirty. He knew them too well. So I can, I can understand somewhat why he didn't want to have anything to do with them. But hey, we need to move on, guys. Yes, sir. I want you to see what happened in verse 8 when he finally got in the right place. It says, And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his house, and who? Many of the who? Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. Well, who do you think the Corinthians were? Gentiles. But Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue. Of the synagogue. And so when Crispus got saved, it impacted the whole community. And even the Gentiles said, man, if this guy believes, we should all believe. Wow. But the point is, the Corinthians, these low-level, lewd, rude, dirty, bad-behaving Corinthians, they all began to get saved. That's where Paul's grace was. And you have to find God's grace on your life. That's where you will have favor. But wait, we have to go further because I want you to see what happened next. Acts 18, verse 9. When Paul was in the right place doing the right thing, he heard Jesus say something for the first time in his life. He never heard these words before. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. Well, for five years, Paul had had a lot of reasons to be afraid. Stoned, thrown in jail, run out of town, accused. But now he's having great fruit among the Gentiles. What a surprising event. He's in the right place, speaking to the right people. And the Lord says, hey, you don't need to be afraid anymore. He says, not only that, speak. The word speak is the word leleo. It means keep talking, keep talking, hold not thy peace. In other words, it's not time for you to be quiet. You've got favor. Open your mouth. You don't need to be afraid anymore. Wow. And then in verse 10, Jesus added, For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. Well, when it says no man shall set on thee, it's the word epitithemi, which means no one will lay a hand on you. Wow. Well, think how many hands had been laid on him for five years, beaten with rods, beaten with stones, thrown in jail. He's hearing something he's never heard before. This is what I was telling you from Proverbs 16, verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. And look, when Paul got in alignment, when Paul got in alignment, what God told him to do, immediately, God told him to speak, and no one's going to touch him. No one will lay a hand on you. And then it goes on to say, and no one will hurt you. The word hurt is the Greek word adikia. It means to injure, to harm, or to maltreat. It depicts injustice. And verse 11 says, look at this. Paul continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. 18 months. That's the longest he ever stayed in one place to that time. With no disruption and open door. Gentiles getting saved, the church of Corinth, the grace of God exploding, the gifts of the Holy Spirit working in the church for 18 months. And then verse 12 says, And when Gallio was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews did make insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat. Why did they do that? 
because Jews were also coming into the Gentile church and they were threatened. So they said, we have to put an end to this. But hey, remember what Joel read? Isaiah 54 verse 17. It says that when you do what is right, God will protect you from the enemy. And notice how God protected Paul. Let's continue. It tells us, verses 14 to 16. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth or he was going to defend himself, Gallio said unto the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O you Jews, reason would that I would bear with you. But if it be a question of words and names or of your law, your religion, you deal with it. For I will be no judge of such matters. And he drave them from the judgment seat. See that word drave? What do you think that means? It means like shoo away, I think. It means to drive away like a wind would drive away dust. He literally said, I said to get out of here. The fact that he had to drive them out means the Jews did not accept his answer. They stayed there and said, no, you are the judge. You are the governor. We want you to deal with this man. We do not like him. And finally, the Galilee said, did you not hear me? I said, get out of here. And he drove them from the judgment seat. He was not going to touch Paul. What a remarkable protection. Even when there was a legal reason or a pretended reason, Galileo would not lay a hand on him. Paul had a new level of protection. And the Bible tells us in verse 17 that all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the chief leader of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. It says all the Greeks. Well, who do you think those Greeks were? Gentiles. They were Gentile believers. We're talking about the members of the church. When he was driven out of Gallio's presence, the local church took the guy and just nearly beat the life out of him. In fact, the word beat means to really, really beat. Now, I'm not suggesting that we beat people. But what's really funny in this text is that after that moment, Paul had no more troubles. No more troubles. And he continued there for a long, long time. In fact... Verse 18 says, and afterwards, Paul tarried there yet a good while. We don't even know how much longer he tarried there. So he had 18 months with no disruptions at all. The devil tried to interfere and could not because Paul was experiencing a new level of protection and even provision. Wow. Guess what else happened while he was there? Are you ready for this? Tell us. This is when his offering showed up from Macedonia. Provision showed up in this very moment. Wow. Up until that time, in the first five years, when Paul was focusing on the wrong people and not primarily doing the right thing, he was working a job all the way along the road. But it was in Corinth that he was freed of that. Provision showed up. Protection showed up. It is amazing what kind of power showed up. And there's something else. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, Paul records something from his own hands that's not recorded in the book of Acts. He says that while he was in Corinth, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you. Signs, wonders, mighty deeds. We don't even read about those things. In Acts chapter 18. But Paul writes about them and says they were mighty deeds. The Greek word chi, signs and wonders. The word chi here would be better translated even. Mighty, phenomenal deeds. Power flowed through him. Money showed up. 
His team showed up, Aquila and Priscilla. Protection showed up. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to occasionally have a rough moment. Remember, the Jews tried to make an insurrection. They came against him, but Paul had a promise. You've got to stand on the promises of God when you know you're in the right place, doing the right thing. Finally, you've embraced your assignment. You can say with Paul, hey, Jesus has told me to not be afraid to speak, just keep doing what he's called me to do, that no one will lay a hand on me to do any form of injustice to me. Paul had a promise to stand on. I think that is all amazing. What do you think, Denise? I think it's amazing because what confidence, not confidence in yourself, but confidence in God. I mean, that's a sure foundation. That's the rock. And when our confidence is in what he said and what (coughs) his power, we're really immovable. And you know what? When you really know that you're in the right place, then you can say, you know what? I'm not going to worry about it. I'm where God told me to be. This is exactly what he told us to do. Denise, think how many times you and I have run into things through the years, you and me, our kids, our ministry. But what has really held us in place is the anchor of knowing we're right where God told us to be and God is in charge. The devil is not in charge. That's right. He might look like he's in charge, but he's He's not. not. He's not. You know what? It always passes. If you'll just hang on to your call, yeah. if you'll stay in the right place, stand on the promises of the Word of God, all of that passes, just like Proverbs 16, 7 says, when a man's ways please the Lord. To me, that means when you're in the right place and you're doing the right thing and you're doing the best you know to do and you're really trying to please the Lord, when a man's ways please the Lord, he'll make even your enemies to be at peace with you. And I'll just tell you something else. If I ever felt a moment when our enemies are not at peace with us, <laughs> I immediately say to the Lord, what do I need to change? Mm. Because you say, if my ways please you, our enemies will be at peace with us. So for me, that's a very important moment to do a self-check. You know what the Bible says? The steps of righteous men directed are by the ordered Lord. of the Lord. So that means we just need to stay righteous. Amen, Joel. How do we stay righteous so that our steps can be ordered by the Lord? Amen. Our part is to be as righteous as we can be and be in alignment with God. Amen. When we agree with God, there's so much power there. And and hanging on to the call of God, what God has put in your heart to do, what you know is right to do, and you agree with that. When we agree, we have the partnership of the Holy Spirit working with us. Now, he never leaves us even if we're out of his will. But when we're in the right place, we have this great partnership and agreement because we're in agreement with him. Isn't that right, Rick? That's right. And Denise, I enjoy you so much. Oh, thanks, honey. <laughs> I'm so glad you're back with us in home group this week. Thank you. And Maxine, we're glad you were here Thank with you. us tonight. Oh, and we're glad you're here with us. I didn't even get to welcome them. Hey, well, now you can tell them goodbye because time's up. (laughs) We loved being with you tonight. It was wonderful. Amen. Denise, would you pray for our home group? I will. Father, thank you for your presence right now.
and that you're confirming to us the will of God that we're doing and 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 encouraging us and strengthening us as we push forward to do what you called us to do. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you need prayer, call us 1-800-742-5593. Leave a message, we'll call you back or write us at prayer at runner.org. And we'll see you tomorrow night. We're gonna pick up right here and tomorrow night is gonna really be exciting. I can hardly wait. See you tomorrow night, bye-bye. Wow, wasn't that a great teaching? My friends, I wanna ask you to please like, subscribe, and comment on that video you just watched so more people can see it.